Beyond politics and above religion, a moral authority exists known globally as the ageless wisdom. It's the study of consciousness, the mystery of awareness, which cannot be measured yet will not be denied. This podcast from Michael Benner's Wisdom of the Soul class features weekly lessons in metaphysics, mysticism, and esoteric philosophy. Those who attend live and free of charge on Zoom may also participate in group meditation and Q&A. Register for our newsletter at michaelbenner.com. Welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School with Michael Benner. Hey everybody, good morning and welcome to today's episode of The Wisdom of the Soul. I appreciate you joining us today live. Perhaps you're listening to the podcast and maybe the YouTube video. In any event, we appreciate you joining us today. If you are watching YouTube, please subscribe, like and comment. Same with the podcast, Apple Podcasts and uh, an app called Podchaser, both accept reviews and uh, rating so that would be great if you rated and reviewed what it does uh, is lift us in keyword searches and helps more people find us so if you can support us that way that'd be great Um, a couple of people who are here regularly have been sharing these programs on their websites and their facebook and twitter and retweets and such and i really appreciate that support too so Give it a think. If you're benefiting from listening to this class, then maybe you know a friend, an associate, someone in your family who could benefit as well. Share. Okay. That was a big deal when the internet first started. And then we sort of forgot about it. Sharing is something people rarely do anymore. Things going viral less often. But, uh, I'm not interested in going viral. It's an esoteric class. It's not for most people. Actually, it is for everyone, but I I understand that most people are not really interested in self-discovery or self-awareness, and so that's fine. But we can cultivate those who are desperately searching for this kind of material. So thanks for your support in that. I want to mention that. Also, uh, though I don't discuss this often enough, I still do private clients by telephone, WhatsApp, Zoom. And if you're interested in a private intensive uh, one or a series, we usually play it by ear. The first one's free, free intake session. And uh, there's a lot of people that that's all they need. And they decide that uh, they got their question answered in that free intake session. They they, they got reoriented, and uh, or they got a book title or a, a, a technique or a way to go, and that's all they need. Others sign up for a series, and uh, or a la carte, one one intensive at a time. But private work is very very powerful, and I enjoy doing it. I only take a few clients per week because uh, I'm basically retired, but I. Do enjoy it, and people benefit from it. So if you want to try the free intro, go to my main website, michaelbenner.com. You'll see a red circle. You click on that, and you'll get access to my online calendar. And you can schedule yourself right there from whatever is available. 
pretty slick. You'll get an email immediately that'll confirm it and a reminder the day before our uh, session. We talked about visualization and guided imagery last week. And so this week, I'd like to talk about what are we going to visualize? <laughs> In other words, goal setting. Goal setting includes our dreams and our desires. And it may sound odd for someone like me who has as much interest as I do and, and even fascination with mindfulness and living in the moment and acceptance and these concepts to be talking about goal setting. But two things. First of all, as I said last week, we need to develop our personality, our individuality, what in the East is called our Jiva nature, before we can move beyond it. You could not start elementary school with calculus or algebra. You need to learn arithmetic first. And so too, just like psychology leads to philosophy, very difficult to study philosophy without a sense of psychology and sociology. These things build on each other, right? So, in the same way, we need to have a sense of what it means to set a goal. And then to live in the moment means to not be attached to the outcome. Well, let me talk about this briefly before we do the opening meditation. We still have people coming in. Let's take the word desire. The title of today's class is Dreams, Desires, and Goals. Much is said in Eastern philosophy, in Buddhism in particular, about the way desire sets us up for suffering. If we could but accept life as it is, as it unfolds, and not judge it, we could avoid a lot of disappointment, a lot of self-imposed pain and suffering. An example that I pull on personally quite a bit, maybe it works for you, is to think of something as simple as the weather. And if you're looking forward to uh, going outside to play tennis or golf or ride your bike or go on a hike and it rains, you can be disappointed in that. And some people might even be quite upset or even angry. Though there's no one to be angry at, <laughs> you know, unless you personify the weather and blame God somehow. As if God is the weatherman and spoiled your day, and why would God do such a thing? But if you don't judge the rain, it's just raining. It's not a good rain. It's not a bad rain. And yes, you had a goal. You had an objective. You had a plan or a strategy to go outside today, and it's understandable that you'd be disappointed when you first realize it's raining. I, I have to change my plan. I can't do that. But so many of us hold on to that, don't you see? We carry that disappointment. And some of us accumulate. We save it. We, we cash it away as evidence that life is unfair because we're building a case. I hope this makes sense to you because it's very common. 
we're building a case that life is unfair and we are a victim of a life that's being done to us. As if I'm miserable, but I have no responsibility in it at all. I have nothing to do with the fact that I'm unhappy in my life. It's all these other people. And of course, advertisers play into that, right? Advertising by its very nature is based on fear and upsetting you. And you have a problem and you're not happy. But if you buy this product or this service and get it now, because there's a limited supply, get yours before we run out, then you will be happy. So advertising that continual dozens a day, right, that we're exposed to everywhere, internet, YouTube, isn't that frustrating as hell you're watching YouTube and that they do a 10 second ad in the middle of a YouTube? unless you subscribe or uh, the radio. I don't suppose many people listen to the radio, but television and uh, the internet just adds constantly. And uh, it's unsettling. And then politicians, of course, so much of our worldview is uh, framed around politics. And again, it's somebody else that's doing your life to you. You got to, you gotta, if you're going to be happy, if you're really going to transcend all of this nonsense, you got to be aware of where it's coming from. And so if we can learn not to be disappointed by accepting life in the moment as it is, that might suggest to you that therefore we cannot have goals. You see my point? Because if I don't get there, or if I get there and it's different than I expected, it's not all that. Or I end up in some place that's similar, but not quite the goal I wanted to, not, not the objective I was looking for. Then I'm disappointed in myself. I get frustrated and I stop setting goals. So just because... The noble truths of Buddhism begin, number one, with there is suffering, and the second noble truth, it's because of your desire nature. <laughs> if you would stop desiring and just accept, then you wouldn't suffer. That doesn't mean that there are not worthy desires that we can cultivate and pursue. It does not mean that we should not set goals. And just be these blobs of protoplasm that allow life to roll over us. We can have dreams. We can cultivate our desires. And we can set and attain goals. The secret is not to be attached to the outcome. Dream the dream. Pursue the desire. Set the goal. And then accept what comes about. You may think that I've attained the goal and this is the best I'm going to do. So I only got 65% of what I wanted. I'm going to have to settle for that. Well, maybe that's just your 65% of the way there. And maybe you get to the goal and there's even more and you go beyond what you thought was fulfillment of the goal. Be adventurous. Just don't cling to your need for the outcome the the result to be exactly 
as you intended it to be. And yet, nevertheless, we'll discuss today the value of having clear, specific, and detailed goals. It's just that you get to change your mind and reorient as you approach them. That's just a little bit of what we're going to touch on today, because I think we need to integrate as we move from a, almost a full year of esoteric philosophy, a focus on consciousness and the context of spirituality. That, that's really the difference, by the way, between uh, spirituality from a philosophical point of view and from a religious point of view is I don't know of any religion that talks about consciousness. <laughs> I've never, I've never in, in, in any religious setting heard a discussion of higher consciousness or expanded awareness. They call it love, and that's okay, except that many people think of love merely as some kind of affinity or emotional uh, warmth or uh, presence or connection, which it is, but it's so much more than that. It's consciousness. And so one of the reasons that people, particularly in the West, are moving toward more mystical uh, Eastern philosophies and, and uh, the mysticism of Middle Eastern philosophies as well, is they're looking for this expanded awareness and this higher consciousness. It doesn't mean you reject all of religion. It just means there's so much more. So having set up today's class in that way, let's do our opening focus, a meditation. And group meditation is always great. I'd like you, I, I perhaps should mention this more. I'd like you to consider that when you attend this live Zoom class, you're doing a group meditation with the people who are in the class. But I'd like you to consider that you're also entering the group of the hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions of people all around the world who are meditating coincidentally at the same time. And beyond that, you may even wish to consider that the oversoul, all the souls in heaven, to use a Christian way of talking about it, or the essence of the plane of souls, the above and free of form, astral plane, or whatever you wish to call it, state of nirvana, of expanded consciousness, but those who are between lives and the bardo state, what do they do? What are they doing? They're meditating continually. When you're between lives, you're in constant, perpetual meditation. You don't have a physical body. You are pure awareness. So you are by your very nature in meditation. So consider when you do a group meditation, that's two or more. When two or more gather in my name, remember? Something special begins to happen. So it's not just the people in the class. It's all the people in the world incarnate. And even consider the group. And, and that's universal. Could be trillions. What goes beyond a trillion, a quadrillion? I don't even know. <laughs> billions and billions and billions of souls across the universe in meditation. You're entering that group, even when you meditate alone. Because, obviously, you're never alone. 
Just add the L and it's all one. Close your eyes. Take three or four nice, slow, deep breaths. And each time you exhale slowly, create and sense a letting go feeling. And then three, eyes open. Open your eyes now, wide awake, back in the room. Feeling fine, better than before. Rested and refreshed, maybe a little stretch this way and a little stretch that way. Come on back, eyes open, wide awake. Feeling better than before, great. Every day is a blessing. Every day is joyous and wondrous. And when it's not, there's no one to blame. It's just we need to do the work of putting it all down and uh, reorienting ourselves to the, the wonder and awe, the, the amazing life all around us. It's just so incredibly beautiful and miraculous in every encounter with another human being or an animal or a bird flying over your head or clouds on the horizon, uh, light dancing down through the trees, flowers blooming, and you know those old, <laughs> those old, like Fantasia, those silly cartoons where the flowers dance, and that's pretty psychedelic stuff. That that's really what's happening all around us. If we but had the eyes to see it, would open our hearts and feel safe enough. Eh, that's the key to everything. Is just the deep peace and and safety of, of knowing everything is fine. It's, everything's really okay. So let's talk about our dreams and our desires and our goals. We are coming up on the one year mark here. I think this may be, there were a couple of weeks we didn't do classes, but I think we started in late February of 2022. So it's been almost exactly a year. And early on, we talked about a real difficult concept that Buddhists call emptiness. And yet, emptiness is uh, not an abyss so much as a freedom. It's freedom from suffering, freedom from fear, freedom from worry and doubt, really freedom from all the self-critical, self-condemning monkey mind thoughts that we put ourselves through. That's what emptiness is. It's really an understanding that life is a dream. Sometimes it's said, we'll read literature that says life is an illusion. And then you say to yourself, well, that must mean it's not real. If it's a dream, it's not real, right? If it's an illusion, my God, it, maybe it doesn't matter at all. What's the point? And we get real nihilistic. Nothing matters. And I can do whatever I want. And there are no consequences. Whoa, hold on. Obviously, there are consequences. There are consequences in the material world, but there's also karma. Uh, which is cause and effect. The word actually means action. 
and your actions have consequences. And action transcends behavior. Action is not only what you do or what you say. It's the thoughts and feelings behind that, what you do and what you say. But it's even the awareness and the intention behind the thoughts and the feelings, the speech and the behavior, right? You got to sort of daisy chain your way back. Karma is intention. There's nothing wrong with considering a negative thought unless we then hold on to it and carry it around. And like I said before the meditation, cash it away or add it to our stash of accumulating evidence that constitutes the case we're building against ourselves, the evidence that we're gathering, that we are helpless victims. And because of the self-fulfilling prophecy, the whole idea of life being a dream, and maybe better said, reaping what you sow, if those are the thought seeds that you're going to plant, and nourish with the emotions that correspond, then what are the fruits that you harvest going to look like? Exactly what you expect them to be. And so it is with goals. And this is really, really important here. Avoiding what you do not want is not a goal. Ironically, Avoiding what you don't want can lead to an obsession that attracts the very thing you seek to avoid. Don't you see? Now, don't overstate this. It doesn't mean, oh, some negative thought flashed through my mind, or I actually counseled it for a few minutes and considered doing this thing behaving in a self-centered, selfish way, being immoral, caring so much about, from a fearful place, what benefits me that I have discarded any interest in the impact on other people, and I consider that for a while, that doesn't mean that instantly your life's going to go to hell. We're not that good at it. So it's gonna, <laughs> it takes obsession. It takes holding on. It takes gripping and grasping and clutching. And that's what we do when we're afraid, right? That's what we do when we don't know and we're confused. We hold on. Even trying to push away is a holding on. Well, I watch little kids fight. Well, not too long. You should prevent them from fighting. But if you saw little kids fighting, one of the way they protect themselves is hold on to the opponent. When you push something away, you connect to it and hold on to it. So in terms of our thoughts and our feelings, we need to move into and through the darker thoughts, the fears. They represent what we don't know. How are you going to know them but to move into them? So, you know, when these shadows come to us and we find ourselves feeling sorry for ourselves or scheming or conniving or uh, some sort of pity party, it's not fair, other people are happy, 
they have nicer things than I do. I'm a good person. I didn't kill anybody. Why don't I? Poor, poor, pitiful me. That's your dream. See, that, that becomes your goal. Those are thought seeds. Thoughts are seedlings. If you reap what you sow, the thought, the intention behind it, the intention, the attention, the thought is nourished by the emotion, and it sprouts. The very thing you were seeking to avoid, you create. That's the problem with living a life of always avoiding and pushing away from what you do not want. In a crisis, in an emergency, it makes perfect sense for the ego nature to take over, for the amygdala to reflexively cause you to jump and run in any direction. But once you survive the fight or the flight, you take a breath, you reorient yourself. Now you need a goal. It's not enough just to avoid what you don't want, to run away, run away. <laughs> Think of that Monty Python movie, run away, run away. It's not enough to spend your whole life running away from what you don't want. That obviously is not going to get you anywhere. So at some point, we need a goal. And in spite of what Buddhism says about the second noble truth, your desire in nature is the cause of your suffering. If you didn't have these powerful desires, this need or set of needs for things to be other than they actually are, then you wouldn't be disappointed. You wouldn't get angry. And uh, you wouldn't suffer so much. Nevertheless, isn't the desire to not have desires, the desire to not be desirous, still a desire? Isn't setting a goal to not have goals still setting a goal? You see the conundrum? So, you know, you got to be cool about this. You got to be flexible. You can't be rigid and binary. The problem in the second noble truth with the desire nature setting you up for suffering is that we cling to the desire to look, to manifest in a particular way. It's got to be what I want it to be. I didn't want the red one. I wanted the blue one. So we suffer. Or I wanted a relationship. My goal was to create a relationship with this kind of person. And I even made a list of all the qualities I wanted in the ideal spouse or romantic partner. But I got more than I bargained for. I didn't think about all this stuff over here. Well, that comes with the package. <laughs> you got everything you wanted and you're still not happy. That's what they're talking about. They're talking about the, the deftness of being balanced and fluid. It's okay to have desires. It's imperative to set goals. Just be flexible when they come back, because it's likely you're getting not only the very thing you wanted, but enfolded within it is something that you really need. And you didn't know you needed it. You only knew what you wanted. And that was hard enough. 
I mean, do you know what you want? Is it possible that the things that you don't have or don't have in the way you would like them to be is the result of not being clear and specific in knowing what you want and settling for good enough? So maybe we need to be more specific, more detailed, more lucid in our dreaming, in our desire nature, and in our goals. And yet still, be accepting enough that as they manifest, as they unfold, be curious about the surprises that come along with them. Oh my, I, I wanted this and I got it, but look at, look, <laughs> look what else came with it. I, I wasn't expecting this, and actually I don't like this part of it. Now I'm really upset. And most people, again, blame God. Who else are you going to blame? Or, I can answer that question, actually. Who else are you going to blame? Maybe your spouse, or someone in your family, or a friend who betrayed you, or an associate at work who you never really liked anyway. They're to blame. The far-right, political, reactionary right, and the extreme left. One thing they have in common is blaming other people for the fact that they're miserable and upset. My life sucks, but I have nothing to do with it. I'm a victim of a life that's being done to me. And again, the irony is, okay, if those are the seeds you plant, that's the reality that you will manifest. You want a cruel, unjust world? You can live in the cruelest, most unjust world that, that you can imagine. And if you want to gather up the evidence in your mind to prove to yourself that you're right about this, okay. The universe just says yes. Dwell on that for a moment. The universe only says yes. The fertile earth says yes to every seed, every nut. Okay, I'll grow you. Briars and brambles, poison ivy, deadly nightshade. We have some oleander in our yard, poisonous hell. I'll grow poisonous vegetation. That's what you want to plant. Or delicious, nutritious fruits and vegetables and seeds and nuts. Gorgeous flowers. Fields of lavender. Whatever you want. Huge field of sunflowers. The sugar cane in Hawaii. When I first started going to Maui in the Central Valley, it's no longer there, but it used to be filled with sugar cane. Corn syrup has destroyed the market, so there's not much sugar cane grown in Hawaii anymore. But on Sunday mornings, there was a local radio station in Maui that would play Hawaiian music. And I'd get in my rental car. I did this routinely. Every, every time I was on Maui on a Sunday, and I always went alone back in the day, late 70s, early 80s, mid 80s, I'd get in the rental car and I'd drive through these cane fields, especially when the cane was tall and the wind would blow the cane and I'd listen to this Hawaiian music and I was in heaven. I was ecstatic. It's the most beautiful thing in the world. 
And if you've been to Hawaii, you know, the minute you step off the airplane, there's something about the oxygen, something about the air and the fragrance. And it's just so clean and pure and different out there. It's just, and having lived there with Doreen for five years, that never goes away. The whole time you're there, it's such an amazing place. But you got to get away from the tourist hotels. <laughs> All of life can be like that. You know, Times Square in New York. Dirty, filthy, overcrowded, rats running everywhere. You can still have that same bliss and that same ecstasy. Not to get too far afield here. Let me just come back to this idea of goal setting. We talked about visualization, guided imagery last week. You may think of it simply as a fantasy, to fantasize, to daydream. There's another good word. I encourage you to do this. But here's the secret. When you set a goal, when you desire a particular outcome, when you nourish your dreams and your desires, Think not about how to do it, for that will only engender more worry, more anxiety. Not for you to figure out, as a gardener or a farmer, how the kernel of corn becomes a stalk with three or four ears of corn on it, each of which has a hundred more kernels. It's not for us to figure out how a radish seed becomes a radish or a watermelon seed becomes a watermelon or an acorn becomes an oak tree. You, you, you don't need to know how am I going to do that. And you certainly want to avoid making the mistake of not setting goals, not pursuing your dreams and desires because you don't know how. I want you to consider learning to say to yourself silently, internally, and maybe aloud to others as well, I have no idea how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. And they say, yeah, fat chance, Michael. What a, dream you're, what a dreamer you are. <laughs> you think just your optimism is going to get it done? And all you have to do is dream of already having or being or doing this goal or this, this particular result or desired outcome. And what, it's going to just manifest on its own? No, buddy, it's going to take hard work. And I don't think you got what it takes. You don't know the right people. You don't have enough money. Do you know that 80% of businesses fail in their first five years? You're going to end up in bankruptcy. And we're listening to all of this. <laughs> the secret of seeing your dreams come true, your goals and desires fulfilled, is to have little concern in deep meditative states about the how, but simply visualize the result as if you've already got it, as if you've taken the trip forward in time and you imagine yourself already having it, being it, doing it, whatever it happens to be a relationship, 
home ownership, that really cool car, that relationship, acceptance by friends, that killer job, financial prosperity, good health. We talked about healing recently, good health. Whatever your goal happens to be, more free time, right? better balance in my life, eating good food, getting enough sleep. Don't worry about the how when you're deeply relaxed and envisioning the goal. Just imagine immersing yourself, like, like sitting in a hot tub, just, you know, <laughs> it takes a little while to adjust to it. It's really hot, right? You got to ease your way in. But once you're in there, just sit there immersed in the wonderful gratification, the wonderful feelings of already having this, already accomplishing it. And leave the how-to for the follow-up. When you open your eyes and move out into the world, now you take little baby steps, one step at a time, in the direction of that predetermined outcome, that goal. This is important. And you can try it out on little things. <laughs> About... Uh, 200 years ago, it seems, when I first started playing with self-hypnosis, one of the techniques that I was taught was programming parking places. Have you guys ever messed around with this, programming a parking place? Consider that when you're looking for a parking place, what you have in mind is that I'm not going to find it. That's why I'm looking for it. There are no parking places here. And so what do you get? No parking places here. Remember, you re-put your soul, life is a dream. So-called physical dense reality is a reflection of your consciousness. So, not only do you reap what you sow, but you go where you look and you get what you expect. What goes around comes around. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. This is a golden rule. Treat others as you'd have them treat you, because that's the law. That's karma. That's universal justice. That's the way it works. I'm never going to find a parking place. This place is crowded. Maybe you even give up. Ah, the hell with it. I go to a movie. I go to another store or whatever. If instead you visualize, now you can't close your eyes while you're driving the car, so you might want to do this quickly at a, at a red light or uh, before, if you're running some errands, you know, before you leave for the next stop, program the parking place to be there waiting for you. And be specific, not just, I'll settle for any parking place. No, I want you to visualize in your mind's eye exactly where you want to park. I want you to test this out. And even if it only works four out of five times, that's going to be pretty impressive. Remember, you're a, you're a neophyte, you're a beginner at this. So what if it even worked half of the time? <laughs> I think you'll be surprised. When you visualize the exact spot you want, and then you come up on it, and you got to monitor your thinking. If you dwell on this is not going to work, this will never work, this is stupid. In fact, if this did work, it's terrifying. The consequences of 
considering that my whole life is a reflection of my attitude about it. My God, I don't know if I really want to know. I don't know if I, I can handle that much power and responsibility. If that's where your thoughts are going, all right. Once again, you reap what you <laughs> don't you see? But if you're willing to consider that's the way reality works, you know, even the Lord's Prayer, the only one Christ ever taught, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in the world as it is in your mind, on earth as it is in heaven. That's whatever, it's a dream. It's a projection. Reality is a mirror reflecting your consciousness. See the parking place, it'll be there. In fact, don't be surprised if the person is backing out just as you pull up with this incredible timing. And uh, give it three or four chances. If it doesn't work the first time, remember, you're a beginner. I used to program traffic lights, and it got to be too much work. And one day I realized I was being stupid about it. And instead of programming it, the, the traffic light and having an expectation that every light was going to be green, I just decided I was going to arrive on time. And if I didn't, it would be okay anyway. And that worked much better. So be careful of micromanaging. Go <laughs> find a balanced view. Again, goals can be broken down into strategies and even a tactic can be a goal. Or a strategy made up of many tactics, a strategy to get to a goal can be seen as little mini goals. So what's your ultimate goal? See, And are you flexible enough to change your mind as you approach the goal? As you get closer, you're going to get a better view of it. You're going to see it more clearly. And you may change your mind. You may want to modify it a little bit. That can be a good thing if you don't hold too tightly to your need for it to be exactly the way you wanted it to be. Dreams, desires, goals. Our topic for the day today.